This is Chris Brooks. Thank you for listening to this edition of Equip. Be sure and subscribe for free so that you don't miss an episode. For more information, visit our website, equipradio.org. Please enjoy the following pre-recorded encore presentation of Equipped with Chris Brooks. Well, hey there, friends. Welcome to another exciting edition of Equip with Chris Brooks. I am absolutely thrilled that you've joined us today. Why don't you do me a favor? Strap on your seatbelt. We're going to navigate through the contours of culture, as always, with the lens of the biblical worldview on. But before we do that, let me remind you. This is the day that the Lord has made. He has given it as a gift so that you and I can rejoice and be glad in it. So let's do just that. Let's follow the words of the Apostle Paul. Let's rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And with that, I welcome you into what will be hopefully a very healing and very interactive edition of Equip. Phone number is 877-LIVE-675. We invite you to call in, and you're certainly going to want to do that as you hear today's topic. Again, the number 877-548-3675. Maybe you're familiar with this new movement, a deconstruction movement. It chronicles the story of those who are leaving the church and some who are even leaving the faith because of doubts, hurts, and wounds. Maybe you have been living with uh, these lingering doubts, these unanswered questions about the faith. Maybe you are holding on to your relationship with your local church by a thread uh, because of the pain that you've experienced. Well, today, I hope to be able to have an open and honest conversation as my guest shares her story of what it was like to have fractured faith and to find her way back to God during this age of deconstruction. If you have asked questions like, where is God in my pain? Is this how Christians are supposed to act? Or questions like, why can't I feel more of God in my life? Then today is your program. I do want to, again, state up front that we always want to create a self, a safe rather, and welcoming environment. So if you're someone who has been considering deconstructing your faith, someone who has been uh, living with doubts, uh, maybe even privately, if you're someone who is holding on to your relationship with the local church and to your faith in general by a thread, today I would love to just create a space for you to talk about that because we need to talk about that because it's one of the most important areas of our lives and one of the most significant decisions you will make is concerning the future of your faith. So the number again is 877-LIVE-675. You can call in just for prayer. You can call in with your questions of how do I process this? You can call in anonymously as well. 877-548-3675. My guest today has been a friend of the program, Dr. Lena Abujamra. She has released her newest book, Fractured Faith. Lena professionally is a pediatric ER doctor, now practicing telemedicine as well. But she's also a founder, the founder of Living with Power Ministries. She has an awesome vision to bring hope to the world by connecting biblical answers to everyday life. Lena is one of my favorite Bible teachers. She's a podcaster, conference speaker, uh, and uh, I hope that you've been blessed by not only her show on Moody Radio, today's Christian Uh, single Christian, but also her numerous books. Again, the most recent, Fractured Faith. Lena, how are you today? I'm so happy to be with you, Chris. It seems like we haven't talked in a while. I miss you. 
It has. You got to write more books. You write more books, you come <laughs> on. That's time, the way, that's the it. way that it works. You <laughs> right. do, give us a book a year, we'll have it. It has to be so. an easier way. <laughs> How about we just meet for coffee? <laughs> there we go. There we go. Well, I know your life is busy, so I do uh, really uh, thank you for carving out time to uh, be with us. But I also want to say thank you for the vulnerability and transparency you show in writing this story. Your book, in many ways, Lena, chronicles a very painful season of your life. So I guess the obvious question, most of us want to hide our pain, certainly run from it, not talk about it. What provoked you to say, I need to, in spite of it, write about it? Well, I didn't really plan it. I think that's important to clear up. I wouldn't have written the story if you paid me money for it. And so, you know, I sort of fell into this debacle in my Christian life. And in hindsight, you know, God never allows you to go through anything that he doesn't intend to use for good. But when I was walking through it, man, it was hard. And I, I, I really, you know, sort of went through all these emotions you describe, hiding, numbing, um, self-condemning, all the things that we go through when everything that we've believed about life and faith sort of is put to the test. And so a few years ago, I was in one of the big Chicago churches that went through um, a big shift in uh, the way that the leadership was functioning, and it became very much written about and talked about, and it it, it was very much part of um, my life, and sort of the questions that were being asked were very fair questions. And so after a couple of years of listening um, to things that were being said and observing patterns that were being had, it seemed clear to me that I was at a point where I needed to leave. There were some things that happened at the end that forced the, the situation in my mind. And I felt sort of, fe- I left feeling like God was behind the decision, but not only that, that God would bless the, the decision to obey. And I, I really, I, you know, in some ways, if you asked me at the time, what would you have changed? I would have said, maybe leave a little sooner. But what I didn't foresee was how much it would unpack in my own life in terms of uh, how things would play out. I guess for a while, God didn't do what I expected him to do. If I had a a script, you know, that I had given God that would include him, you know, defending me, vindicating me, sort of make me look like the hero and, and, you know, and and them look like the bad guys, uh, which was sort of the reason I left was I felt like there was some badness there. Well, it didn't play out that way. And I think... um, I think so much of the pain uh, that was initially against the people in the church that had sort of abandoned me, and it it messes with your mind, because on one hand, you're the one who left, so you kind of think, well, I guess I abandoned, they didn't abandon, but but it turns quickly into questions to God. Like, okay, God, I understand that they don't get it, but don't you get it? Don't you see? Aren't you going to do something about it? And that's the gap where I think you're tested. And I got to say, I always thought I would be stronger Mm. in the test than I ended up being. There's no pain like church pain. Um, You know, so much of my life is public and transparent, uh, even the quote-unquote private sides of my life. But in in 2019, and I've never shared this story publicly, don't intend to right now either, but in 2019, I went through probably the deepest amount of church hurt I'd ever experienced, Mm. uh, 2018, 2019, and the pain uh, still marks me uh, today, and it really does uh, radically uh, reshape your faith in many yeah. ways. Um, but I want you to talk about a line that you put in your book. You talk about the weight that you were feeling when it came to leaving your church. For those who've never had like a deep relationship with the local church, just try to convey what it means 
the weight of yeah. leaving a church for a person who has fully vested themselves right. into a local church. Well, I think a lot of people leave churches. I don't think it's a big deal in some ways. When you're, you know, it's like any, you know, changing your shirt. <laughs> you know, you have that sort of casual feeling about something. You can go to a restaurant for a while and then decide to change. And and so it doesn't make sense to that person. Why did it hurt so much? But when you're, in my case, not was I just vested in the church. I worked at the church, but but my whole social structure was connected to the church. To the fact that, I mean, I had I was practicing medicine, but really all of my friends my network, my joys, my dreams, my calling were related to the local church. Back in 2000, God had called me to teach the Bible. And to my mind, it was in the local church. And I was seeing fruit of that. And so all of the dreams of the past 20 years, or I guess at the time, you know, 15 to 13 to 15 years that had accumulated were related to the place that I was in. And so to leave was really in a way to pull the plug on a lifetime of dreams and uh, and that was hard. And I think that's where I think it felt like it wasn't just leaving a church, but it was leaving a way of life and, and a direction that even to the point I would say I had, I had had some brokenness in my personal life, two broken engagements that never led to marriage and, and another relationship that I talk about in the book that I ended up, I thought at one point in my life I would turn to marriage and didn't. And, um, and so I had had wounds, but they always felt like the balm to my wounds was that God had given me a bigger vision for my life. And yes. that included his calling to me to teach the Bible. And somehow that was deeply interwoven with these people that were part of my local church. And so it was far bigger than just leaving a church. And, and, and as a matter of fact, I would even say so much of the angst happening right now in the United States as far as deconstruction and as far as people questioning, you know, structures, it's not just that there are people who are bent about church and leaving. It's that there are systems that that next generation, the millennials in particular, have been really astute at watching and observing and sort of questioning real questions that demand answers. And they're just yeah. not getting them. And they're seeing this like unraveling of a leadership structure and a method of doing church that has not worked. And the result has been a systemic sense of, man, if that's what the church is, I just don't know if I want that. And that's why I think so many people are talking about deconstruction, because they're going back to the blocks to say, I don't know what the Bible teaches, but what I'm seeing here doesn't seem consistent with that. Folks are calling in from various places around the country. I do want you to call in. And again, we're going to create a safe place for you to be able to do that. We love your honest reflection on um, maybe your process of uh, processing through deconstruction or living with a fractured faith like Lena writes about in her book or even finding your way back. And we'll get to that later in the program. But the phone number is 877-LIVE-675-877-548-3675. I want to just talk about your title. Fractured faith. Obviously, you could have named it a number of things. W- what caused you to say, I, w- I think this is an appropriate title? Yes, yeah, kind of a backstory. It's kind of funny. I actually, uh, when, when you asked me how I wanted to write this book, I didn't. Someone from Moody, a friend of mine who's an editor, had approached me and said, hey, what, what are you working on now? And it was in a, in a dark place in my life. It was a broken place. And I was embarrassed. Again, you carry so much shame when you're supposed to be on a path and you're just not anymore. And I just couldn't admit that oh, I wasn't working on anything. I was hurting. I was trying to deal with this mess. But I had given a talk at a college that week, uh, and it was around the time when a famous uh, young man who had deconstructed had come out and said, I'm no longer a Christian, someone that was very looked up upon. It was Joshua Harris, actually. It doesn't 
need, uh, I mean, he's a public yeah. figure. And so I remember when I watched that sort of thinking, wow, I want to talk about reconstruction and sort of talked about Genesis 32. So honestly, sitting at the table with this editor, I thought, I thought, man, what, what am I going to tell her? And so the only thing I could you know, grab onto was, well, I'm working on something about reconstructing faith. And it, it wasn't untrue, but it was sort of like, you know, our way of, of tr- sort of trying to make yeah. it sound like we're doing something. And and anyway, that sort of led to eventual, eventually writing the book. And, and when we came to the time when we were starting to get more serious about the final product, a lot of my mom actually was, no one could understand this reconstructing faith. What does that mean? Like, it just doesn't connect. And, and I, I joke in the book, like my mom thought, you're a doctor, what are you writing about reconstruction? And so we went to yes. the table and thought about uh, what to what to write, what to call it. And nothing fit. And at the very last second, my friend Tina, as we were, you know, in that last brainstorming session where I've given up on coming up with anything that I like, she said, what about fractured faith? And I thought, yeah. it was like you could hear a mic drop in the room. And we all sort of felt like when it came to the story that I had lived and what I was feeling and the emotion that is in the book, I don't think a word could better describe yeah. what I was going through than that. It is. It was a fractured faith season of my life. And I think many are living in that season now. We're going to take just a quick break. For those of you online, please stay there. For those of you who are thinking about calling in to ask a question, uh, to receive prayer, encouragement, I would love for you to do that now. Lena would as well. Um, We're going to create, again, a safe place for you to be able to do that at 877-LIVE-675. That's 877-548-3675. For those of you may feel more comfortable social media is available to you as well facebook and twitter at equipped radio what is it like when you find yourself no longer having confidence uh, in your local church uh, maybe in the things that you uh, were taught and believed how do you navigate through that we'll ask lena those questions and much more on the other side of this break next up on equip with chris brooks A little boy was overheard praying, Lord, if you can't make me a better boy, don't worry about it. I'm having a real good time just like I am. I bet you've got neighbors just like that little boy, having a real good time just like they are. They don't appear to have any need for Jesus, but Jesus didn't come to make sinners a little better. He came to redeem hopelessly lost people by giving them new hearts and new hopes, a new relationship with God through Jesus Christ. On our program, Equip, evangelism is at the heart of all we do. As you call or click with your gift, you're helping us advance the gospel one conversation at a time. You can help us share the simple gospel with many more as you give now. Call 888-644-4144 or visit EquipRadio.org. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. Today we're talking about what it is to find your way back to God in an age of deconstruction, we also are praying for those of you who maybe find yourself going through the weight and the heaviness of leaving your church, struggling with doubt, questioning your faith. Today, we wanna create a safe place for you to process through that. So whether it's prayer or questions you have about the season that you're in, I want you to call 877-LIVE-675. My guest, Dr. Lena Abujamra, has written her latest book, fractured faith and we're so proud to partner with her to uh make sure we get the word out about it subtitled finding your way back to god in an age of deconstruction many are calling let's go to the phone lines 
Lena, uh, David is listening in Florida. Hey, David, thank you for calling. Thanks for your patience. What's your comment? I left the church about 30 years ago. Hmm. I found God to be just as big outside of the church as he is in the church. God's been faithful my whole life. I have a friend living with me. He heard the word of God, responded to the word of God. I might mention he heard the word of God mm-hmm. from me 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. And because of him hearing the word of God coming from me 30 years yeah. ago, he's now living with me. He's learning of God. His family has seen a change in him. Uh, God has done a lot of work in his life. Sure. And, you know, I said, you're my only evidence. <laughs> you're <laughs> you're my only proof to God that somebody outside the church, after I left the church, heard the word of God and responded to the word of God. And now you're living with me and you're learning of God and his love for you. I appreciate you giving the call, David. Thanks for your honesty and transparency. I think about the Apostle Paul, Lena, and uh, his his uh, desiring to have proof of his apostleship, you know, and uh, he uh, tells the church, I think it was the church of Philippi, that they were the proof of his, no, it's Galatians, that they were the proof of his apostleship. And so uh, I understand what David is saying. You know, there's an aspect of what David is saying, though, that, that all of us should affirm, mm-hmm. that God is just as big outside of the church as he is within the four walls, uh, that you can encounter God in your living room. You can encounter God. Obviously, you and I have spent a lot of times uh, traveling and, yeah. and, you know, in places where there is no church building, and yet God is there. But there is an aspect of, of, of something that, even as I listen to David's words and I hear how God has used him and, and celebrate that, there's a part of my heart that hurts for him and that the church is also a family. Yeah. And uh, even when you were talking, Lena, about leaving the church, th- there's, there's one aspect of the struggle that is, man, my calling is so wrapped up in it. But the other aspect of it is this is my family, and uh, leaving your family is never easy. And my prayer for everyone who's a believer is that they might know a deep, uh, loving healthy, spiritual family. Lena, any thoughts about David's comments? Well, there's a generation, I was going to say, of people who would concur and say that the millennial generation, I think, has sort of sticks out in my mind as the generation that would say, you don't need to be part of a local church in order to be the church. The church is Christ in us. We're all the body of Christ. We're part of a big global church. Like, I totally get that, and I understand and appreciate it. And, and, um, and you're right, though. There is a sense where you think, man, I, I wish— the church, small churches, didn't give people a reason to be right in that. So when I hear it, you're yes. right, there's a sense of compassion and understanding yes. because there has been ample reason to say, man, I'm not walking back in there. And that doesn't yes. mean you don't know the Lord as your Savior. That doesn't mean you're not 
but growing in your faith, sharing Christ with others, and I think he's seen tangible fruit of how God wired us to want to make an impact on others. But I also don't think it's accidental that the Word of God uh, teaches the importance of a local assembly of believers. And you can get yes. into semantics. I mean, people talk about, well, I have dinner with my friends. They're Christians. We're praying together. We're eating together. That's the same. And again, yet so much of the New Testament is focused on uh, sort of this model of a local church where the ordinances are practiced. And so it's interesting. Yes. I, I mean, you did say something in passing. I did not leave the church. I was deeply wounded by the church. I left yes. a local body, but I yes. have, by God's grace, remained in the church. And I talk in the book about how the very institution that hurt me so deeply ended up the local church ended up being a place of healing for me it was a paradox of some ways and so my hope and dream and prayer for people like david is to see past whatever caused you to leave the church to heart the heart of god Mm. uh, for the local church and i do believe healing is happening and i think as situations are being uncovered uh, sinful areas in the United States of churches and leadership structures that have been against what God has said and, and wanted and, and ordained for us, that there is a movement towards creating a local church structure where people can grow in community and fellowship under the safety of uh, an atmosphere of love and yes. humility and the presence of the Holy Spirit, where revival can continue to take place in our country through that means that God has given us to grow. Uh, you know, America and Western Christianity has often been you know, very hyper-individualistic places where even things like the sacraments of communion and baptism are seen as focused on the individual. But these were communal events. These were meant to be a part of the celebration of the body of believers. We all need spiritual family. The other thing I think that, uh, you know, good brothers like David who called and sisters in Christ who are experiencing similar realities need to know is that praise God that he has used you and is Mm. using you. I affirm that. But there's this old African proverb that says, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Mm. And I think about the multiplied impact of a David connected to a healthy body of believers. But as you have said, Lena, when, um, you know, church is not about that, uh, when it becomes about celebrity culture, um, you know, a, a platform simply for leveraging and maximizing profit for a personality, people reject that, and I understand it. Lena, um, going back to your book, you uh, use this word deconstruction. We've used it a number of times. For those who aren't familiar, can you just define it? Yeah, I think the best definition I've seen is deconstruction is what happens when you ask questions that lead to a dismantling of what you used to believe. And so it really is rooted in these questions that I think, um, I think you can think of it sort of in the way that it's playing out in culture. And it, people like to think of it as, oh, it's sort of intellectual, as I think at the beginning of the show you were talking about. It, it, I, I don't think this deconstruction phenomenon is as intellectual as it is. Uh, heartfelt. I think most yes. people who have been in the church have been uh, thriving in their faith and deconstruct. I think uh, there's a huge element of pain in there. And, uh, and, and the question is, what was it that caused that pain, that disappointment, that disillusionment, that led to doubt, that led to questions that were not adequately answered? Maybe people shut up their questions, you know, in the church, or maybe they ignored their questions, or maybe they gave them, you know, little 
tweetables and hashtags, I like to call yes. them, that just left them empty and maybe questioning, I think, beyond the celebrity culture, sort of this political aspect of churches that just has created more havoc than than rest. And I think uh, and the next step, and I, I do this deconstruction chart at the end of my book when I kind of walk through the steps as you go from sort of the pain, the disillusionment, the doubt, and then the deconstruction. And now, uh, you know, that's not a bad place to be necessarily. Ask the questions. There's a lot of things that I grew up with that I think, yes. why did we do that? That wasn't right. And, of course, I grew up in sort of a very, you know, that 80s fundamentalist, you know, mentality of the church, which many churches have moved away from. And so there has been sort of a general natural deconstruction of certain acts that, you know, ways that we believed back in in the 80s that now is no longer part of the church. But now, as we enter this new decade, also there's a deconstruction happening that's healthy. The question is, where do you go next? And what I see happening that's dangerous is as you go through this deconstruction, many are saying, man, I'm I'm done with what looks like uh, biblical Christianity. And they're, you know, giving it a lot of other names from ex-evangelicalism to, uh, I don't know, there's all sorts of ideas that are out there right now. Um, but I think I think that's the the sort of the, the watershed place where you have to decide as you're asking those questions, where are you going to get answers? And what are you going to do with that space of uncertainty? Are you going to yes. lean into the Lord? Are you going to cry out to him authentically and open up and expose yourself to him authentically? Or are you going to open yourself up to everybody else in the world? You know, with a, And I think we're really good at that now, where we show up on social media and we are as authentic as we need to be on social media. But now we're being fed all sorts of opinions and ideas and belief systems that might or might not line up with scripture. And uh, I think that's that's where uh, that, that's what I talk a lot about in my book, is how to get from that place of deconstruction back to a place of faith. We're going to talk about the, uh, the, the road back. I love that you put a chart back here, a diagram, uh, for those who have been going through uh, this journey and not really understanding how to put words to it, what it looks like. Uh, but in your book, again, your diagram lays out how do we find our way back to, um, back to God, uh, back to the gospel as Scripture presents it. And, uh, and through the fog of the disillusionment. We're going to talk to Lena about that after this break. Maybe you have asked the question before, is this how Christians are supposed to act? Uh, and maybe you felt that pain before. Well, Lena's going to talk to us about that, which is one of my favorite chapters in her book because it deals with what many of us are living through. These breaks are just an opportunity for you to learn more about how to order the book. You can go to our website right now at, at uh, equipradio.org. That's equipradio.org. Also, we have information on social media as well. That would be great for you to hit the share button so others can hear about how to go from a fractured faith to finding God in an age of deconstruction. Much more after this. You're listening to a pre-recorded Encore presentation of Equipped with Chris Brooks. Welcome back to Equipped with Chris Brooks. So grateful for you listening in. Many of you may not know, but Equip is listener-supported, listener-sponsored, and underwritten. What that means is that it's your gift and gifts from people just like you that allow us to be here each and every day to equip Christians to more effectively live, share, and defend their faith. So if we have been a blessing to you, if you believe that it's important for uh, biblical and relevant answers to be given to life's complex questions, and you have a desire for the word to spread in your community, we would ask for you to consider partnering with us today. You can find out more by dialing the number 888 
888-644-4144. That's 888-644-4144. Or if it's easier, go to equipradio.org. Dr. Lena Abujamer is my guest today. We're talking about her book, Fracture Faith, Finding Your Way Back to God in an Age of Deconstruction. Lena, so many are calling. Let's go to the phone lines. Uh, Kim is listening in Illinois. Thank you so much for listening today. What's your question? My call. My question is when you've reached this point where you are feeling like, um, you know, you need to leave your home pretty much because that's what it's become. Um, In that similar situation, and everything that has been discussed is really touching home for me. Um, what was the process of you finding a new church home? I, I yeah. really, I don't fully, I fully intend to stay yeah. in the faith and in yes. church. That is my full commitment. Yeah. But, you know, what was your process like? Yeah, I thank you for asking that question. Um, you know, I think we uh, are such a culture that loves quick answers. I'm not saying you're asking for that, but but I think the bend, and I think we struggle with this tension of sitting in a space of transition, of pain, of lament, of mourning what's gone. It, it took me a while to sort of recognize that I really grieved what I had in mind in that church. I loved, I loved what was happening for a while at that church. I didn't want to start elsewhere. I didn't think, and to this day, I think about the good days in that church, and I think, I don't know that we'll ever have a place I don't, I'm sure we will, but in your mind, you kind of go, I don't see how something could be that good again. And so th- that takes time, I think, to sort of lament, uh, sit in, um, give time to heal. And I think now I look back and I think a lot of what happened in those first years after, you know, the originally ignoring the feelings, you know, once I started to to acknowledge, you know, how painful this was. I think that there was a stage where I just had to let it, like, let it sit there. And I, I, by God's grace, I, you know, at that time for me, I mean, my road included talking uh, to a spiritual director, a counselor, you know, where I, I felt like I was given space to sit there. And I agree with you that I never intended to leave and that I still had this ministry. I just didn't want to, you know, I sort of knew that I was going through the motions and I didn't, I didn't want to be that person. I, I knew there was more to life in Christ, but I couldn't get myself there. Like sometimes you see something, you know something, but I just couldn't get myself to hear God. Really, he felt so far away. And I think this is what I talk about a lot in the book. It just felt like he was, that he just had had dropped me. And I know now he didn't. And I see the work that had happened. But it just felt like, like I was on the outside and everybody else who stayed in church was on the inside and that I somehow didn't belong. And so out of that, you know, I kept showing up. So I, for a couple of years, I, I floated to another church that eventually had its own demise. I left right before that demise, and it was another big scandal in Chicago. And, 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 and you know, people, you know, they made me, they try to make me feel better. They said, well, luckily you left before the demise. And I was like, didn't make me feel better. I was just trying to find my place in a church. And, and then, you know, it, as God often does, the answer comes in little, little voices, little steps, little signs that sometimes don't seem like they're a big deal. And so I heard about Carl, of course, from Morning Radio. He's Carl Clausen has a local church he was starting. He was launching it. And I, I, I had heard him at church. He spoke at a place I had visited. And I thought, well, I could sort of see starting fresh. And so I started going to the meetings. I felt like since it was a new work, it might serve me well. What I didn't know, what God had 
preordained was that Carl had been through church hurt. And he understood sort of what a person like me looked like, where we can look the part, we talk the talk, but there are walls so high in our hearts. It's hard to break down those 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 boundaries that we put. You show up to church, you're even in a small group. I didn't go to small group for a while. It was too much for me. But where you show up and you say the right things because you've been churched for so long. Mm. And, and honestly, this was the gift of God is to put people in my life who loved me anyway. And I kept showing up. You know, I think sometimes that's all you need to do. I kept showing up even when I didn't feel like it, even when it didn't make sense. Uh, and and I, I, I really think the hardest part was sort of, you know, more so than showing up to church and to Bible study, it was really showing up to God. So it would open up my Bible, prepare a talk for a, something, but I didn't feel like I was breaking any grounds in intimacy with God. And it took really coming to a low place in my life when I finally felt like, okay, I'm showing up, but I really felt like my heart wasn't being touched and reached. And it was a place of deep, I think, brokenness and pain when I finally had it out with God. And I think, uh, you know, I'm one of those people, I'm very strong and want to kind of get it done and move forward. But I got to the place where I just couldn't do that emotionally with God. And when I hit the bottom, I think is when I finally felt like God was like, Lena, I've not gone anywhere. A verse that, you know, one of the talk about Psalm 22 being really rich for me in that breaking point. But I think Jeremiah 31, for anyone who feels like God is not near, has been one of the critical chapters in my life of the last five years. And Jeremiah 31 talks about how God has, I've loved you with an everlasting love. I've continued my faithfulness to you. And it talks about this hope of giving you back your joy after a season of pain. And for a while, I read it sort of because it just reminded me that this God loved me, even when I didn't feel like I even liked myself at that point anymore. Mm. Yeah, many are at uh, the exact place where our sister Kim, who's called in, finds herself at. I want to pray. Father, we just pray now that you would give wisdom for those who are considering leaving the church for biblical grounds, the local church, that even in that painful moment, that they would not abandon the faith and that you would order their footsteps to a place of healing, that you would surround them with uh, the right people, counselors and advisors who will pour into them and encourage them and believers who will help them to be able to see and experience God and his grace, that they would find themselves in communion with a community of believers yeah. who are glorifying you, serving you, gathering around the sacraments and praising your good name. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In your chapter is this how Christians are supposed to act. You deal with um, what many have encountered, and that is the bad behavior, the mistreatment that comes at the hands of believers that can be so disorienting. You say this in this chapter, that God doesn't ask us to deny the pain that has been inflicted upon us. God doesn't ask us to minimize the pain we feel. God doesn't ask us to bury our pain or ignore it. God doesn't even ask us to understand our pain. Um, talk about um, that road of processing when you've been hurt at the hands of believers and even forgiveness. Yeah, you know, the book is, by the way, not just about church hurt. I think anyone who has read it will tell you it starts there, but it really was an unraveling of other deep disappointments in my life. And for me, that sort of took, uh, you know, my singleness, uh, the deep disappointment in my life earlier as it pertained to a marriage and, and whatnot. And then, of course, so, so the church hurt sort of brought back a lot of the that stuff that I had sort of shoved in a drawer and wanted to ignore for all these years. And so, um, you know, when I talk about Christians, I, I you know, that 
chapter is one of, was one of my hardest and maybe my favorite to write because it felt like I was just purging a lot of the stuff that was in there. I think writing can be very therapeutic, but I sort of sum up, you know, those two situations and I walk these two stories through and how um, deep the pain was because both of those people were godly people. My pastor, of course, not, again, not a direct wound per se, but just the unraveling of that ministry. And then, of course, this person who also had meant so much to me and how I just felt like I had been so deeply rejected and, and just a disappointment and the disillusionment that grew out of those broken relationships. And and, and I, I like to say one of the other things I write about when it comes to that pain is pain doesn't destroy your faith. Pain simply exposes your faith. And I found that to be true. I think the pain that happens in our life simply shows you how deeply you trust God. And and, and the truth is, I look back and again, as an ER doctor, I have to give a clear diagnosis. I wasn't, you know, I really had a hard time trusting that God was good to me. I could show up and preach to the Biggest crowds of women, we'll say that for the community. But but yes. but but uh, really, and I am. I'm a, I'm an I'm a Lebanese fiery speaker. Okay, <laughs> and I could I could speak God's goodness to you, but somehow, I just didn't trust God was good to me, and I think um, I think that that pain brought that out to the open, and uh, and I think when you acknowledge that. What God wants to do isn't to wound you with that truth, yes. but to woo you with that truth. And it was for me the call to my heart to say, all right, God, I'm sorry. You really are going to... And I think the theme that comes up at the end of every chapter is this theme of when you just have thought things about God and concluded things about the situation that were just not in line with the truth, and you can't muster enough energy to claim a verse, right? Yes. That even in those darkest moments... The only person I felt was still there for me was God. And, and in many ways, that's the story of the book. That, yeah. Um, yeah. You, you say this, and I love this, that Fracture Faith is about finding your way back to God only to find that he's been waiting for you all along. Um, you know, what I love about your book as well is you continue to come back to the the fact that we can't ignore the great extent God will go through to reach us. Yeah. Um, and the cross stands as the primary example of that, doesn't it? I mean, I hear you even say that quote that I really think sums up what the book is. And, and the imagery, every story that I, that I relate, biblical story, that comes out in every chapter, I mean, because there's a weaving of, of biblical narrative yes. as I tell my story. It just, even I hear you say, I think, man, it's, that's it. Like, I think we want to know how to come back to God. Like, and I think part of my whole angst during that season, I thought, well, if I could just figure it out, if I could just get myself to believe enough, to think enough, to do enough, to, I don't know, to just show up in the right way. And I just couldn't. I mean, I, mean I, I numbed my pain really well, and I ignored my pain really well, and I, I could, you know, kind of prolific, you know, pontificate about my pain really well. Um, but but there was a point where I just had to say, God, like I can't even find my way to you. And and I, those were when I talk about darkest moments, that to me is the darkest places. And those were the surprising places where I finally think I understood a new level of intimacy with God, where here was a savior who already knew that about me, but had still chosen to stay with me. And and I think, you know, there's something astoundingly shocking to your heart when you discover that afresh. That's, I think that's yes. the gospel message, is that Jesus knows exactly how you are, who you are, what you are, and still said, man, I'm coming for you, and I'll love you, and mm. I'm not going anywhere. 
God's grace is seen even in stories like this. And Lena has been so vulnerable, but also very honest in pointing us back to the fact that God loves you. And I want you to know that, not as a cliche, God loves you. He wants you to be able to experience community, spiritual family. He wants you to know his grace beyond all of our false paradigms. And so he's willing to, in his love, break down those false paradigms. Yeah. Break down those false images of ourselves so that we can see him clearly and so that we can see ourselves as he has seen us, fearfully and wonderfully made. And uh, the image of God being formed in us, even through woundedness. When we come back, we're going to talk to Lena about finding her way back home and the things that God used to make that happen. And we're also going to sum up the Christian life in one word. There's one word that changes everything. We're going to talk about that when we come back with Dr. Lena Abujamra. While we're at this break, please order this book. Now I know that there's someone you know that needs this book. So while you're learning how to order it for yourself, Man, this would be a great small small group study for your church to embark upon. Man, this would be great for a friend, for a young adult, for a college student. Order now. Find out more at equipradio.org. Whatever you do, don't go anywhere. Much more to come. Next up on Equip with Chris Brooks. Good friendships are a blessing. Jesus even said there is no greater love than the sacrificial love between friends. He knows we need each other, but how do we build these powerful relationships? Rebecca McLaughlin has written a guide to help us start, and I highly recommend it. It's called No Greater Love, a biblical vision for friendship. You can have a copy when you support Equip this month. Simply call 888-644-4144 or visit equipradio.org. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. In one portion of your book, Lena, you deal with Demas, (laughs) who acts as a footnote to the life of the Apostle Paul, but he represents the person who says no, in many ways, no to God. You go on to say in that chapter entitled, Is It Supposed to Be This Hard?, that we tend to complicate the Christian life. We overthink surrender. We look for signs. When it all boils down to one word, what is that one word, Lena? Trust. There you go. I haven't even looked at the book, but I, I, I said. That. <laughs> I mean, really, I didn't. I didn't even look it up. I wanted to, to, um, to, to. I've taught that. I believe that, and I think yeah. we all think we trust God. I really would have told you five years ago. Yeah, of course I trust God. I'm, <laughs> look what I'm doing. But I think the way you know you trust God is what happens when the things that you so deeply want in your life don't happen. Um, and that's yeah. that's a tough test. And so whether, again, Satan will use those things against you in those moments, and God will use uh, those same challenges to purify your faith. Uh, Demas, yeah, I, I, I love the story um, of the contract in, that, in the contrast in that chapter of Demas to uh, John Mark, who was the nephew of Barnabas. 
And I kind of walked through sort of these parallel lives. Both had uh, situations that could have turned out either way. I mean, it's like that chart, the deconstruction chart. And one one ended up back in faith, wrote the Gospel of Mark. And then the other one, uh, the, I think Paul summarizes, Demas in love with the present world has forsaken me. Yes. And uh, it's a powerful, powerful example of how easily we could be done if we uh, just decide, no, God, I, I can't take it. I'm not going to take it. I'm done with you. You know, certain lines sum up entire sections of books, but there are other lines that really sum up the story of our lives. I have a sense that this line that I'm about to read really is a message of your life, and it simply says this. You write it on page 160 of your book. His love is what made me whole again. (laughs) Uh, Just talk to the person who, with about a minute or so left, who maybe is in that dark place that you found yourself in. Um, yeah. about how to find your way home again. God's love for us is so much bigger than we want it to be. Like we have this idea that we got to earn it. Even though we know we're saved by faith, we just want to earn God's love. It feels like we should know better by now. And so I think the longer you walk in the Christian life, the more you become ashamed when you can't seem to get it, when you have to confess that you're hurting or you're struggling and, and, and God's love is what constantly takes you back to the place of realizing that it really is not about me. It's not about what I do. And, 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 and I think the hardest, again, question that has been to answer on any of those interviews as I've talked about this book has been this, this desire that we have in us to just tell me the three things I need to do. And I'm telling you guys, it's not like that. It's, it's bigger. It's deeper. It's better. There is a God who sees us, who knows you, who loves you, who hasn't given up on you. And you might not see it right now. You might not feel it. But trust just starts by saying one small yes to God. And the minute you do, it's like it just, it just starts to unravel. His love just overfloods you. And again, it doesn't have to do with whether other people accept you or not. This is purely between you and him. And the outflow of that is that every relationship in your life will eventually be shaped by how you view God's love for you. And I'm telling you, you are listening to this radio. I don't think this is an accident. You landed on this radio station listening to this show right now. If you've been wondering, God, why aren't you speaking to me? I dare you to believe that this conversation wasn't meant just for you to hear in a fresh new way. Man, God sees you, he loves you, and he's not done with you yet. All right, here's what we're going to do, Lena, just to bless a group of people and to encourage We got five complimentary copies of Lena's book that we are going to give away via social media. So go to our Facebook page right now and just communicate, I want or I need this book. We're going to pick five names just to say thank you for listening to Equip and to encourage your walk uh, and your relationship with God to help you to do that one word, trust. For the rest of you, don't worry. Uh, Even if your name is not picked, you can still order a copy for yourself for your church, for your young adult, for the college student in your life. But whatever you do, I want you to read Fractured Faith because I believe it's an important book in an age of deconstruction. Dr. Lena, thank you as always for carving out time and being with us today. I've loved being with you, Chris. Thanks for having me. Uh, We're going to pray for those of you who are hurting, who are looking for God in the midst of the pain, the fog of disbelief, the woundedness. Father, I pray that your voice would echo through all of the pain and that you would remind us today that you are with us. 
For those who are looking for spiritual family, Lord, may they find it and may their hearts be full of joy and may they praise you again and be used by you to bring you glory. We thank you in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Friends, I'm so grateful you've been with us today. Uh, why don't you check out our website at equipradio.org and find out more there about how to support the program. Until we're together again next time, remember Equip with Chris Brooks is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.